I know we're doing some bass talk today, but as always, I got to tell you about some amazing musky baits and how to get 10% off. Because you guys know I'm a musky guy too. I like to fish for a lot of different species. And so for any musky guys and gals out there, listen up. I want to tell you about Chubby Chasers Custom Bucktails. These baits are benchmark quality at an affordable rate. And they offer custom bucktail, marabou, and flashaboo models with unlimited blade choices. They're also the creators of the Bush Buster Musky Jig. I personally have a couple of these, and man, they are the ultimate throwback presentation. When a muskie rolls in on the 8 and it won't eat, it can be very frustrating. But we've had great success pitching these jigs upstream, letting them tick the bottom right back down to the fish, twitching it in their face, and watching them absolutely choke on it. It's a great bait for those late follows or those non-aggressive fish. So shoot them a message on Facebook or Instagram. Their Facebook is Chubby Chasers Custom Bucktails, and their Instagram is Chubby Chaser Customs. Shoot them a message and place your order today. Tell them the Evolving Angler Podcast sent you, and you're going to get 10% off your order. Hmm, go get them. Hey guys, welcome back. I am here with Mike Baird. He is the back-to-back winner of the BKBF Lake Cumberland event. Man, that is such an awesome uh, feat to win that event back-to-back with all the sticks in the BKBF trail. So man, huge congrats on not just winning this year, but last year too. Was you kind of pumped to win it two years straight? Yeah, I I kind of didn't know what to think just because conditions were different. Um, I chased a different type of bass this time. And the big thing when I got to the ramp is I've never seen a, a 72-inch limit win before. I knew that I might get paid, but, you know, just experience tells you that that is never enough to win. Um, and so I was just I was just so surprised that that is what it took. It really was that tough of a day for everybody. And, uh, I mean, they'll take it any way you can get it. So, yeah. Well, you know, I pre-fished, uh, the day before and I was in conversation with maybe a handful of guys that were going to be fishing the event and we all got our butts handed to us pre-fishing. Not one of us caught a fish. And I was like, this is going to be very interesting. And I told, uh, Dalton Rose, I think he only caught one fish. Uh, he was on the he was on the board early, but I don't think he got anything done after that. But I told him that night, I said a full bag will win it. I said I hope I'm wrong, and I hope a lot of us get on fish. I said, but after fishing it Friday, I was like, I think a full bag will win it, and he can attest to that. And I really, honestly, I'm like you, I'm shocked that actually you were the only one that caught the 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 full bag, the five fish. Uh, man, that's just crazy. Yeah. I stayed, I stayed with a couple guys on Friday, um, before the tournament, my last day on the lake was in November. I didn't get to practice or anything. And, um, I stayed with a couple guys and one of them caught one fish and the other one caught, I think three fish. Um, but yeah, nobody I talked to was on them. Um, and just the way tournaments have been this year with cold fronts. Um, I've been doing the Hobie Bass open series and all those tournaments. It's always been if you catch five, you'll get paid. That's that's just been the way 
the way it is this year. And we were sitting there at about nine o'clock and we kind of all said the same thing. If you catch five, you'll get paid. And uh, I mean, gosh, I think somebody with two fish got paid. So it, it's like it took a lot to get paid, but it really didn't take that much. You just had to run into a couple and you were yeah. good to go. Yeah. I told Keith Brown in an earlier podcast, uh, you know, Lake Cumberland is one of my favorite lakes to fish. I, I don't have a whole lot of experience on it, but I've probably fished it just as much as of, as any other lake in the state. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, it's one of those lakes that in the right conditions, man, it is the best fishing you will ever have. And I said, there's times also I've went down and it has humbled me drastically because, <laughs> I mean, it, all it takes, man, is like you said, a cold front or or some crazy conditions. And what is an awesome bass lake can just completely shut off like we've seen Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I saw a couple of people asking the kind of calling out to change the date next year and that's the last thing you want to do uh the weather in kentucky is so unpredictable a lot of people were saying if the tournament was a week earlier it would have taken over 90 inches to win and so i don't changing the date is not going to fix it i mean it's just it's just the way kentucky weather is when are we going to have another tournament on cumberland with a cold front and 10 foot high water you know, next year it could be a drought and it could be 90 degrees. It's just no telling. So if they keep going back, there's going to be a tournament where you absolutely have to smash them to even get a check at the tournament. Yeah. And another thing that some of these guys have to take into consideration is there's a lot of other tournaments that are on these big lakes. Uh, there was a high school tournament and another bass tournament. I forget what one it was. But I think there was a total of about 270 bass boats on Cumberland the weekend before. Uh, I know there was uh, a tournament the weekend after us this past weekend. And so a lot of things go into play when, when Keith is, is figuring out, you know, when to do these events. And sometimes dates just aren't available. It, I mean, it's just hard to predict. Kentucky's a very unpredictable place with weather. And obviously, the tournaments, there's just so many tournament fishers now. You're always going to be fishing at a lake that has two or three tournaments going on. Um, Dale Hollow's Dale Hollow's even worse this year. I was going to fish the Paddle and Fin tournament this weekend, and there's just been so many tournaments on that lake that I just decided not to go. I felt like you were you were fishing pressure and nothing else. You know, weather didn't matter. Nothing else mattered. You're just trying to get these fish to even bite because. I think at Del Hollow, they had two BFLs and a Toyota series in just four weeks. And I I think that's just the way it's going to be in the future. You'll have to really compete with other boats and, and pressure especially. And that's one thing that actually really affected what I did is seeing what the bass boats were doing on Saturday. I think I probably caught a lot of fish just because I picked up on what they were doing. And so that alone made a big difference in what I did on Saturday. Well, you know, like I said, Friday, I pre-fished. I, I didn't get on anything. Um, I did notice uh, Saturday. Now, during the event, I did get on some fish, but the only place I was catching these fish, and I don't know how it was where you launched or where you were at, but the coves, uh, backs of the coves in particular, where I was at, it uh, wasn't really a place I was. I was wanting to target main points, secondary points, and things like that, and and I didn't care to, to fish the backs of these coves, but there was so much debris of leaves and trees floating around. Uh, I was punching a jig, man. I threw everything. I threw the book at these fish and the only thing not to get ahead of, of myself here, but 
man, the only thing that put fish in the kayak for me was uh, a little pink Ned rig. And at that, it was little spots, you know, and they were right on the bank. Uh, I didn't catch anything over 11 inches. Uh, I think I caught like seven total, but the conditions on Lake Cumberland were, were pretty rough. Um, you know, you had all this flooding that had come in and raised the water. I don't remember exactly what the water level was, but I think it was somewhere around what, 12 feet or so above summer pool. And yeah, uh, it was I, at least 10 and it went down about six inches during the day on Saturday. I started to notice like the wet spots on the trees. They had the floodgates open on Saturday, I believe. And it was actually dropping while we were there. Yeah. And so you had all that. Uh, I, I told my buddy Dalton, I said, you've got this high water coming in, stained water. Then you had this cold front and then they were dropping the lake. And I was like, <laughs> plus all the debris. I was like, you just have like this huge recipe of things. There were so many things that were just going on within a week's time on that lake that I think really just made the bite very, very tough. I, uh, it, it sounds, it kind of sounds weird saying this, but I really, just to be perfectly honest, I didn't have any trouble getting the fish to bite whatsoever, even to get bigger fish to bite. I had no trouble doing that. Um, my biggest issue seemed to be, um, just fighting them, you know, the way the small mouth are, they're jumping three feet out of the water. They're going everywhere. And I lost, I lost two small mouth. One of them was at least 18 inches. Um, I had, I had at least 10 or 12 bites through the day, ripping trailers off and little things like that. And it, it was really just a matter of, of getting them into the boat where I was at was kind of a, nothing too special about it. Um, when I went down, it was my dad's first tournament on Saturday. And so we rode down there together and we had both kayaks on the trailer and he asked me where I thought the fish would be. And I told him exactly where they were going to be. I just, just the way the conditions were, um, I've been there enough, I guess that it just, I knew where they were going to be. And that's exactly where I ended up catching them. And so I very proud of myself for predicting, predicting where they were going to be. And last year, it was all smallmouth. Smallmouth got paid. Smallmouth won. And I really, really figured that this year, smallmouth weren't going to have anything to do with it. And that really seemed to be the truth for the most part. Um, I didn't really get into many smallmouth at all, except for like two. I think I submitted just one. Yeah. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why I launched where I did is I knew there was probably a higher population of largemouth, uh, which was what I was targeting. I don't know if that's uh, it sounds like it's kind of the route you were going with uh, the fish you were targeting it was probably more centered around largemouth. Um, that's what I was trying to do, and obviously it didn't work. And, and you know, you you talking about you predicting where they were. It just goes to show uh, your experience on that lake and knowing what these fish are doing, uh, how it really pays off and really sets you apart uh, from a lot of the guys that was fishing this event, including myself. And it shows why you're back to back champ on this event on this lake. It really shows, you know, type of angler you are when it comes to Cumberland, and you're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future on on that event for sure. You know, I think the way Cumberland is going, just you know, it's hosted big time FLW tournaments, and and it's hosted these giant high school tournaments. I think it's just a matter of time before we see a national series kayak uh, tournament at Cumberland, um, whether it be KBF or BSS or or even the Hobie Open Series. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time before we see a uh, 150 kayak tournament on that lake. And um, hopefully when that day comes, um, <laughs> for me at least, hopefully when that day comes, I'll have the same luck I've been having because those are big money events. And, 
you know, if you win one of those, it'll it'll definitely put you on the map as far as being a top angler. Oh, for sure. Did you get to, I know you said you rode down and stayed with some guys. Did you uh, get to practice at all like the day before? I had zero practice. Um, the first time I laid eyes on that lake since last year was when we arrived at our cabin. Um, it was kind of overlooking the water. That was the only time I had seen it. Um, I, uh, the way, the way I view Cumberland and, and some of these other rocky, these rocky, like clear lakes, I feel like the fish really don't move out and in with these cold fronts. Um, it seems like they always move up and down. And I think what a lot of people, Cumberland is all the same. <laughs> like everywhere you go on each half of the lake is the same. You're going to fish the muddy water and the river type stuff up by Burnside. If you go down to the dam, you have just like a hundred miles, it seems, of shoreline, and it's all the same. And I think a lot of people get spun out down there because if you do something in one cove and it doesn't work, what are you going to do? Just go to the next one, which is exactly the same. And it seems like the secret to success on Cumberland is really believing that you are around fish because it seems like 99% of the time, you're sitting right on top of fish. They may be 50 feet down or they may be just in like some just so hidden. But most likely when you're at Lake Cumberland, you're around the fish unless it's like winter time or July. And that's kind of what I mindset I had on Saturday. Um, I can just go ahead and tell you, I when we got started, I kind of tested the outsides a little bit, the main points there i kind of threw a little swim bait for about 15 minutes not very much kind of just ran around real quick and i immediately went into the cove that i had started on and i rotated through two baits all the way up until about noon and one was a moving bait and one was a bottom bait and i just rotated through the two through both of them and every once in a while, I'll just kind of throw out the Ned. You know, I kind of just throw out, I had like a 14 foot crankbait on. I would just throw that out and mix some stuff in. But what ended up happening is the moving bait, I was catching only largemouth on that. And the bottom bait, I was catching only smallmouth on that. And so I would go into a cove, into a little, uh, like a pocket or a drain area where it was shallow. And I would just fish with the moving bait and I would get some largemouth and then I would fish the bottom bait and then I'd be hooking smallmouth and stuff. And that's really how I ran all the way up until about noon when the wind started. Cause it got kind of windy out there. Um, once the sun got high. And so that's really how I ran my morning. I'm not sure what some other people did. I know you said you were throwing a, a Ned rig for a while, but, um, I really didn't get any other bites on anything else. It was just those two baits in the morning until the wind started up and I switched to a spinner bait. I noticed some bass boats were coming through and some of these bass boats and I see it everywhere I go. They just run the bank so fast. They're throwing giant spinner baits and they're running the bank so, so fast. And so I felt like they didn't really add any pressure to where I was. And so I would just go right behind them and I was catching fish right behind them simply because I would just be picking apart, you know, every single square foot of the bank um, because I really felt like there were fish there. And so watching those bass boats, I feel like you can really get some confidence in your area because um, a lot of the time the bass boats are going to fish like 5% of the, 
of the shoreline. And so as a kayaker, you can really capitalize on that, especially a lake like Cumberland that's so big. Yeah. Yeah, I said that to Zach Atkins that was on the last podcast. I said, you know, I think, and it's no disrespect to anybody who fishes out of a bass boat. I said, but I think one of the things you lose in that uh, fishing out of a bass boat is you know you can run up and down the lake so fast. And I, I've, I literally went behind bass boats a couple hundred yards back, and I told the story of when I was on Del Hollow and I had a bass boat turn around. Asked me what I was throwing because I went right behind them, a couple hundred yards behind them, and was pulling out fish where they just went through at you know twenty miles an hour. I mean, you know, not that fast, but you know, they were they come back and they're like, "What are you throwing?" <laughs> and so I think that's one thing that can be lost uh, a lot of times is knowing you can move around so fast and go up the lake, go down the lake, and I not saying every bass bass boat angler is like this, but I've seen a lot, just like what you said. I've seen it a lot. These guys come in, they fish an area, fish five, 10% of this area, and then they just take off. That's really what I saw. And so even I had about four or five bass boats and I had another kayaker where I was at. And I just felt like nobody was adding pressure to where I was. And last year I moved around a lot. I went to the opposite side of the the lake arm I was in, I went all the way to the other side and stuff. And this year I just, I had about seven or eight little pockets where water drained into them. And I ran those all day long. I went back to them over and over again because everybody that would go through would make one cast and go. And what I was finding was I would throw both of my baits in the morning and even my spinner bait in the afternoon. I would just keep throwing it to the same spots over and over and over. Um, I would make three casts beside a tree and then I'd go to the other side of the tree, make three or four casts there. And, you know, eventually it seemed like you just kind of bumped them on the head and then they would eat whatever you're throwing. Um, but I, I had, I had two fish by like nine 30, I think. And I finally took a look on tourney X and there's a couple guys that they always seem to hold their fish until the end. Well, I had, I saw that one of them submitted a fish. So I was like, well, he's not holding anything. And so obviously he just had one. And so I think I was leading from start to finish and I was always one fish ahead of second place. And when the wind started blowing at about noon, I think I had three fish and second place had two fish. And I caught my last three that I submitted on a spinner bait. Every time the wind was blowing, I would throw it and I'd catch one. And if the wind stopped, then I wouldn't catch anything. And so, and the leaderboard shut off like an hour early as well. And so that made it kind of hard to, to really know what was going on. I didn't know if somebody had five or, or anything. You just don't know what's going on, you know, 40 miles away on another section of the lake. Right. And yeah, you said, it. you know, I didn't throw a spinnerbait at all until the wind picked up. But I did throw just about everything I had. <laughs> and I think that was a problem that I was doing was I was probably changing up. I had six rods with me and I was probably, I was probably changing up way too much instead of trying to grind with one bait and see if it was actually going to work. But, you know, and that's, that's my downfall as a, as an angler. I'm a running gunner and it's hard for me to slow down. Even in the summer months, it's hard for me to slow down and be like, okay, I've really got to pace myself, slow down and, and maybe finesse or something like that. But me, I'm a running gunner. And if I can't crank and, and jerk bait and spinner bait, it, it's really out of my element. Um, the wind wasn't that bad the, that morning, but like you said, the wind picked up and, uh, like you, I went to a spinner bait. I don't know. I just, I wasn't holding my mouth right or something. Cause I, I just could not catch them. I threw everything that I had at them 
And I think it was the last two hours of the tournament. I went to that pink Ned rig. I was like, you know what? Pink is a really underrated bass color. I've caught a lot of even big bass on a pink Ned. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. I went to a pink Ned and I started pulling fish in the, in the kayak, but it just, there was a quality fish. Yeah. You know, I noticed. So when the wind started blowing, I picked up the spinner bait and I always kept um, my other two available. And when the wind would blow, I would throw it. And as soon as that wind stopped, because it was kind of on and off, as soon as the wind stopped, I'd put it down. I wouldn't even throw it anymore. And, you know, if the wind didn't blow for 30 minutes, I didn't fish it for 30 minutes. But I did notice, kind of like what you were saying, as the day went on, the size fish that I was catching, it got smaller. And I think on Tourney X, as you go through my five, I think the fish, the fish gets smaller as the day goes on. Um, my biggest fish that I had hooked was at like 10 o'clock um, and they fell off drastically. I think one of them was like a small spotted bass that I submitted. Yeah, I really couldn't find the big ones. and um whoever finished second place i don't remember who it is he had four big fish that'd be paul um, averill yeah yeah he had four big fish and I, I just couldn't believe um you know basically it was five small ones versus four big ones and so i don't know where he was at or anything but that was pretty cool that he was able to catch those four big fish because you know i hooked a lot of fish but i really didn't get around anything consistently um you know 18 inches or anything i had one and that was it yeah he was on your uh he was on your heels practically all day and you know i'm i'm usually not one to just check the leaderboard but i think it was like two hours into this event i was like surely i'm not the only one struggling and uh, i checked the leaderboard and i know i knew you had a fish dalton had a fish and uh, paul may had a fish i can't remember exactly who had one but I think there was only three anglers uh, two hours in that actually had one fish. And I was like, wow, this is definitely going to be an interesting day. <laughs> and so, you know, as the day went on, a couple hours later, I, I checked it again. And I was like, this ain't good because <laughs> everybody was everybody was feeling it. And you got the full bag, you got five fish. But uh, it seems like even at that, if my memory serves me correctly, right at 50% of the guys fishing this event didn't get a fish on the on the on the board and i think i think 24 zeroed yeah and i think nine of the guys that caught fish only had more or had more than one and the rest only had one fish so that just goes to show you man it was a very tough bite yeah you know i uh I, i've been working really hard the past season or two to not let lost fish bother me you know there's not it happens to everybody you can watch any any you know Bassmaster Elite Series or Major League Fishing, everybody loses fish. It's usually the big ones that get off. And I had that one smallmouth get off at about ten o'clock. That was the biggest fish I hooked all day. And I tried not to let it bother me, but I just knew how hard it was to get big fish to bite on that day. And so you know, I caught my second fish, and I'm like, that could have been my third. And when I caught my fourth fish, I was like, that could have been my fifth one. And Oh, I was just through the roof excited when I got that fifth fish in the net. I was looking at it. I was like, you're going to be 12 inches, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, there, it, and it ended up being like 12 and three quarters. But, you know, sometimes you'll get them in the net and it'll just look like it's 10 inches or something. You know, you'll just look at it and you're like, oh, this one's not going to measure. And um, yeah, I I just you just never know what to expect when you're getting on tourney X. Um, you know, last year when I won down there, 
I had, I think, over 80 inches in the first two hours. And I didn't submit any fish because I was on them. You know, I was catching them so quick. And, you know, that's a good example of just, you know, I kind of led that one from start to finish, but I just didn't submit my fish for a while. And um, it's that's the thing with kayak fishing and these leaderboards is it's just such a mystery. I, I, I am a big proponent of keeping the the leaderboard on the entire time and finding a way to make people submit their fish on time. Um, I've always been waving the flag for that. Yeah. I always panicked that like somehow something would happen and I wouldn't get my fish logged on tourney X. So I'm one of these guys that, that log them immediately. If I can, uh, if I don't have service, you know, that's, that's a different story, but usually I, I'm, you know, I catch one, I'm logging it. And then if I catch a bigger one, once I get my five, you know, I'm, I'm calling it out. Uh, but usually I, I'm just, I don't know, I have a little bit of anxiety that something would happen and then I just wouldn't be able to log fish at all. <laughs> it, it's risky, you know, and with cell phone service as well. I had two of the fish I turned in, I actually had to give up and put them in my live well on the app because I just couldn't get them to, I couldn't get enough cell service to pass them through to, to submit them. And so little things like that, you know, it's technology. It's not going to be perfect. I'm, in my opinion, if you have the opportunities to submit them, um, you better get them turned in. And, you know, I have friends and my wife, they watch the, you know, the live leaderboard on the computer and stuff. And, you know, I like to turn them in to, so they can have something to watch. You know, it makes it a little more exciting for everybody. Oh, yeah. Real, real quick. What kind of kayak uh, are you sporting in this event? Uh, so <laughs> I got a wilderness radar 135 and I have the helix pedal drive with it. And, uh, I've been very vocal about the durability of the pedal drive. I am absolutely looking to change to something else. So if, uh, anybody out there wants to throw me a bone and help a, help a guy out, get a new kayak, I'm, I'm willing and ready. I, uh, when we fished the Dale hollow event there, my, I was stranded about three miles from the ramp in the middle of the lake because my drive broke and I only had one paddle. Um, I've had lots of troubles with it. And so that is what I fish out of. And it is kind of like a second home because I've been in it so much, but I'm excited to change if anybody else out there wants to help me out some. Somebody, so, somebody sponsor this kid, get him a kayak. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've, it's one thing I've been working on. I'm, I'm fishing almost the entire um, Hobie BOS series. Um, I have a pretty aggressive tournament schedule. I'm going almost all of them. I'm going to Dardanelle next week and Hartwell. We're going to Sam Rayburn and Champlain everywhere and trying to make the tournament of champions. And so uh, I, I really am looking for support. I'm, you know, I, I'm not I'm not good enough to where I should be getting free boats and rods and reels and this and that. but you know, I'm, I'm trying to get there and you do need some help to get there. It's tough and it's very expensive to travel. And so, yeah, anybody out there, I'll, I'll do my part. That's for sure. Oh man. Listen, I think you're well on your way. Uh, you're such a great guy and you know, we've, we've conversated before this and man, I, I really think you're, you're onto something, you know, fishing man, has a lot of good sticks and Hobie BOS. So I'll definitely wish you good luck in that, man. I hope you come out with some wins and, uh, are you going to be fishing any more of the BKBF event or, or the trail this year? Yeah, I'll be at, I think I'll be at every single one except one of the last ones in the fall. Um, I don't remember what lake it is, Nolan or Rough River. It's something, something out there, but 
Yeah, I'll be at all of them. I'll be at every single Hobie BOS except uh, maybe two of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to climb the ladder. Um, I sleep in my car everywhere I go. I sleep in my car unless I'm with a big group of people and we can split the pay. You know, I've, I feel like I've mastered um, tournament fishing on a budget and really trying to make it work with kind of like a business-like attitude, you know, money in versus money out. Because, I mean, the entry fee of a BOS is $260 just to fish it. Yeah. And so <laughs> you can easily spend five, six, seven hundred $700 on a weekend and, and some days come home with nothing. And so it gets pretty tough. It gets pretty tough out there if you want to truly try to make it as a, I guess, pro angler, you know, to say. So I, I hear so many times people say, man, this guy's living the dream or this guy's living the life fishing for a living or, you know, fishing events, but they don't understand the struggle. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a caliber fisherman that you are, but fishing, even these small events that are, you know, two hours away, it takes a lot of toll on you. And so to do that all the time, man, it's, it's mad respect to these guys that are fishing these big trails constantly. And, and these events that are like all over the nation uh, that travel so much uh, and guys like you that are that are doing this thing like you are, it's mad respect because they don't understand the grind that takes place and the uh, sacrifice that takes place. You're, I mean, like you said, sleeping out of your car. These events cost money, a lot at risk, uh, paying so much into an event. And like you said, not coming away with a check. It's enough to get a man down for sure. And to maybe contemplate not fishing another one. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's... Uh... It's so much the truth. You know, you got your handful of kayak anglers that, you know, they stay in houses with other people and stuff like that. And and I, I got to do that this year. I split a house at Lake Seminole with some people. And, you know, I think uh, I've had some people tell me, you know, you get to do it because you're rich. You get to do it because you're, you're so lucky. And like, I'm a teacher, you know, I don't mean an elementary school teacher. And um, I don't get a lot of personal days neither. And so a lot of the, the national tournaments, I'm driving through the night. I'm sleeping at truck stops. Um, I think the Hobie BOS at Watts Bar, that was probably one of the tougher, I guess one of the tougher trips I've had because it was so cold. I woke up in the morning and I turned the car on and I put the defrost on. And what was happening was the ice was not on the outside of the car. The ice was on the inside of the car from having my windows cracked. And just little things like that. It's very, very tough unless you want to spend mm -hmm you know, a thousand dollars a trip and have, you know, a great place to stay and stuff. And so it's not uncommon for me to pull out my little hot plate and a pan and just sit next to the car and, you know, cook my meals and stuff like that. And, um, it makes it a little easier to keep going because you're not just putting yourself in debt and stuff like that. And so that's why it is important to get any type of support. Um, I still fish with very, very, beginner level reels and rods um i recycle line a lot um and i try not to buy tackle neither i really try to not lose stuff and really just i guess really just keep an eye on what i truly need and what i want yeah you know i i'm with you i use uh a lot of i think most of my bass rods aren't more than 50 60 bucks um and i i grew up throwing a lot of baits on a spin reel. And so, you know, I'll throw a bait, a bait caster too, but I'm, I've said before on the podcast, like jerk baits, for instance, I know a lot of guys that throw a jerk bait with bait caster. I'm just right at home with a spin reel 
and you know, I don't know, everybody has their own thing, but, uh, you know, most of my gear that I'm throwing these baits on is not very expensive gear. Uh, my reels and rods, I'm like you, they're, they're about entry level. You know, <laughs> most of the stuff could probably be bought at Walmart or uh, maybe at a yard sale. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the truth. And, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you that it is so cool to have the nice stuff. It's cool to have the mega bass jerk baits and the, you know, the G Loomis and the expensive St. Croix rods and everything, but you do not need that stuff. If you want to be successful in this, you do not need that stuff at all. I still fish with black max and silver max reels. I have bass X rods. Um, you do not need that stuff. And anybody that says you do is just pulling your leg. Now it helps. It, it, it absolutely helps. But I'm, I've come home with some good paychecks from fishing tournaments, and I did not have, you know, premium equipment and stuff. Um, I use Bernie's River Stick. I don't have a real power pole. You can really make it work if you just believe in your ability and just put in the work and just, you know, know the lake like the back of your hand before you even get on it. You know, stuff like that. Your, your, your fishing rod you're going to be holding it. You know, your hands are what's going to be casting it out and making those choices and stuff. That rod's basically just holding the line and holding the fish. Yeah. Time and time again, I've said kayaks don't catch fish. Gear doesn't catch fish. And uh, somebody like you, you know, you're proving it over and over with these wins and these events. And man, I just, I want to wish you uh, huge luck in the future. Congrats again on back-to-back, uh, being the back-to-back champ of uh, the BKBF Lake Cumberland event. And I do want to wish you luck in the future on the, the Hobie BOS and, and any other events that you're going to be fishing. Man, thank you so much for being on the podcast and taking time out of your day to hang out with me and, and to share kind of your story a little bit with, with Lake Cumberland uh, and all that. I appreciate you having me on and just kind of let me talk about what I'm doing and stuff. Um, I have so many people that are so supportive of what I'm doing. It's just been awesome. You know, I got teachers at school that are always asking if I'm going fishing and how I did my last tournament. Um, my wife is real supportive and, you know, my dad fishes the tournaments now, but up until then, you know, he was watching all day long. My mom watches, um, my guy, Zach Wilson, he's always texting me encouragement, no matter where I'm fishing in the country, I can count on. He's sending me messages. Every time I submit a fish, I know that I'm going to get a message from him, you know, saying to keep going and stuff. And so, uh, there's just so many people that are so supportive and, you know, like you talked about earlier, you have some tournaments that just make you want to quit and you really got to have some people that tell you, you know, it's okay. And, you know, you'll get it next time. You know, I've zeroed twice this year already and here I am, you know, I just want a, a good paying tournament. And so it's just, you just never know when it's going to happen for you. So it's good to have people to, to keep pushing you along, you know, even if you just kind of want to sit down for a bit. Oh yeah. And you know, to anybody listening, if you are fishing events or new to kayak tourney fishing or, or tourney fishing in general, don't get discouraged on those zero days. And even the pros zero, even the pros bomb events, it's going to happen. You know, nobody's got it all together on every event, every time. And that's why it's just, that's why fishing is fishing. Nobody knows exactly what they're doing. Yep. And uh, it's just part of the grind and part of the process of of being a tourney angler. So you may bomb 20 times. It's all right. Your day's coming. Keep grinding. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, man, listen, I won't take up any more of your time, but I definitely appreciate you hanging out with me. And uh, uh, once again, I wish you huge success in the future. 
Well, I appreciate it. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Um, and if anybody, you know, if anybody out there has questions about anything, I love, I love teaching people stuff. I love teaching people about fishing and just ways to get it done and stuff. So I'm an open book for anybody that, you know, maybe starting out, wants some advice or, or anything at all. So I'm here if anybody, anybody needs anything and hopefully I'll get to talk to you again real soon. Yeah, man, I'll be in touch. All righty. Sounds good. <laughs>